we suffer from a crisis of leadership. We can easily find ourselves following things and people who leave us unfulfilled. But Jesus turned leadership upside down and set the standard for authentic, lasting influence. The dormant potential sitting untapped in our church is unreserved power, ready to be released for the kingdom of God. Our church needs leaders with highly developed skills and unwavering integrity, now more than ever. If you have any influence in any organization of two or more people, you are a leader. If you know how to do something and you can show someone else how to do it, that makes you a leader. Fellowship is full of leaders. Let's impact our community with the hope of Jesus Christ. And through our community, we will impact the world. Have you ever seen an amazing example of something? You saw somebody do something and you thought, wow, that was exactly how it's supposed to be done. Maybe it was a sports play that just went perfectly, just like they drew it up. Or maybe you heard someone sing a song and you thought, man, that, that might have even been better than the original. Like that was exactly how that song was supposed to be sung. My dad has been an example kind of like that for me throughout my life. He's been an example of leadership to me and he hasn't been afraid to step into whatever God has called him to do. At a small church that we attended growing up, uh, he was, uh, would teach Bible studies uh, to adults. He would do skits and be just this really funny, goofy guy up on stage for VBS. Um, and he was even in the choir at a, at a time. We moved churches when I was in middle school, and I can remember my dad jumping right into a new ministry uh, that he wanted to be a part of. And th this group would uh, make breakfast on Sunday mornings before service. And the, the, the whole worship team was there after, after rehearsal, and we'd have 100, 150 people there for breakfast. And of course, my dad uh, took me along. I was along for the ride to go make breakfast early, 6, 6.30 in the morning, in order to serve our church family. I was a part of uh, helping crack 200 eggs and scrambling them on Sunday mornings. Eventually, my dad served as a board member at our church, but only for a short time because of me. You see, eventually I was hired on at that church. I was hired to lead a preteen ministry of fifth and sixth graders. And when that happened, my dad said, Greg, I want to serve alongside you in your ministry. Now, this was a move that he was a little hesitant about. He didn't really know what to expect. He knew that he could play games and have fun with the kids, but after teaching the Bible to adults, he had in his mind that teaching fifth and sixth graders was really going to be challenging, something totally new. But my dad jumped right in. I haven't worked at that church in Phoenix, Arizona for almost five years, and still to this day, my dad teaches fifth grade every single Sunday. I can remember growing up, 
Every day I would walk out of the house uh, as I got ready for school and my dad would tell me, be a leader. Greg, be a leader today, not a follower. Greg, you be the leader amongst your friends and the other kids at school. I can remember my mom kind of chiming in as well in her own way and encouraging me and saying things like, Greg, that doesn't mean you have to be bossy. You can include the kids that get left out at school. Both of my parents were great examples to me of how to use my influence I know that I am incredibly fortunate to have the kind of examples that my parents are to me, let alone uh, just having two parents that are still married. Many of the kids that I grew up with can't say that. When we don't have good examples to look towards, it's easy to begin questioning our own abilities and even our own value and worth. What's worse is when there is a leader that we truly look up to to be the example and they abuse their leadership and their influence, their authority. And it hurts us. And it hurts a lot of other people along the way as well. This can and and has created a lot of pain and trauma for people when leaders abuse their power. And the church certainly is not immune to this type of situation, unfortunately. These situations can cause us to begin questioning things about ourselves. Am I a leader? Because I don't exactly know what that means. I don't know if I have the skills to lead people. I don't really know why anyone would follow me. Can I help the cause? I don't know if anyone would follow me because I don't know if I have anything to bring to the table. It sure seems like there's a lot of other people out there willing to help and to jump in. And I'm sure there's several people out there that can do a better job than I can. I think me being there might might just get in the way. Does the church have what it takes to impact our community and the world? Fellowship, we say this all the time. This isn't my first rodeo, you might be thinking. You might be thinking, I've I've seen leaders come in and out of here. They've had big ideas and big plans, but is it really making an impact? Is the church the answer to the problems in our city? Or should we just stick to singing to Jesus? Is the church the answer to the problems in my life? Because if I'm honest, I've been stuck. I feel like I've been stuck for a while and I don't know if attending church has really helped too much. This is why influence and leadership are so important. You have influence. And if you use it, you can stop the spiral and doubt of, of, and questioning, not only in your own life, but in the lives of the people around you. You are so needed as a leader. This is our bottom line for today. You are the church that will impact the world for Jesus. I want to break this down just a little bit 
for us so that there is no question what I mean. You. You is the first word. You, right now, I am talking to you. Not Pastor Greg, not any other pastor, not your kids' teachers or any politician. I am talking about you. You are the church. We, all of us, believers of Jesus, make up the church, the big C church, the body of Christ here on earth. You are the church that will impact the world for Jesus. How do I know this? How can I say this so confidently? Because I truly believe that the church is the hope of the world. We have the eternal hope that this world needs. We are the representatives of Jesus' love on earth. The church is the hope of the world. And you are the church that will impact the world for Jesus. So if you've ever thought, you know what, this is great for some people, but I just want to come to church and worship and just do my best living like Jesus has asked me to live. This whole leadership thing, it's, it's just not really for me. I want to tell you something. First off, you're wrong. I love you. I love you so much, but you're wrong. You have been called to so much more than just showing up on a Sunday morning or showing up online or showing up on a Saturday night. We get to be a part of what God is doing in our world. This is a privilege that we should cherish. This isn't a have to. It's a get to. We get to be a part of what God is doing. I want to show you a picture of someone who is an unlikely leader. By all accounts, no one should have followed him, let alone listen to what he had to say. But he was called by God to lead, and he chose to embrace that calling. A country called Midian was oppressing Israel. They were stealing their crops and laying waste to their land. So they had no sustenance for the people or their livestock. Their lives were at threat, at risk here. Israel needed a leader, someone to save them from Midian. And this is what we see in Judges 6. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abzurite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Gideon is our unlikely leader. And you know the funny thing? He knows it. The angel finds him threshing wheat in a wine press. You know what you do in a wine press? You make wine. You know where uh, you should be threshing wheat? I didn't know either. I had to Google it. Uh, it's called a threshing floor. Gideon is purposely hiding himself and the wheat from Midian. He is scared. 
The angel shows up in the middle of his fear and he says, Yahweh is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, huh? (laughs) Even Gideon knew that wasn't right. Surely you must have the wrong guy. Gideon's response to the angel is like, nice try, but that's just not for me. Yeah, I'm not really the leadership kind of guy. He tells the angel he is the least in his father's household. And his clan is the weakest among all of Israel. He is the last person that should be saving Israel. And yet, as unlikely as it may seem, that is exactly what God called called Gideon to do. Now, here is something that I want us to hear today. Gideon didn't do it perfectly, and that's okay. He was still afraid. He still needed others around him to help him. He still made some mistakes along the way, but he embraced the calling that God put on his life. He tore down his father's altar to Baal, another god, He had an army of 32,000 dwindled down to 300 men. And with those 300 men, he saved Israel. And there was peace in Israel. The church is full of leaders exactly like Gideon. The church is full of leaders. It's my job today to help you see that. It's my job to help you embrace your leadership and lean into how God is calling you to use your influence. There's a model for this in Ephesians. You see, sometimes uh, as church people, we get the model of ministry all wrong. Often we think that the pastors and the elders, the church staff, maybe some super volunteers like connect group leaders, those are the ones, those are the people that do the work of the ministry. But Ephesians shows us a a different model, a model that is not really what you might expect. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which is sometimes translated as pastors and teachers. And so we're thinking, okay, we're tracking. These are all kind of Bible words. These are roles that we've seen throughout Scripture. Uh, Pastors and teachers, certainly we see in church today. We we understand, we're familiar with this idea. And, And they're the ones that generally do ministry, right? Well... This is what it says. He's given us all of these roles to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Well, that's a little different. You mean that pastors and elders and church staff pour into the church and the saints, that is you, You, the the body of Christ, does the work of ministry. The body of Christ is the hope of the world. The body is out in the community. 
at your jobs, in your schools, in the park, with your neighbors, ministering to everyone around you with the love of Jesus. That is your job. The pastors and teachers, we build you up. We should be empowering you and encouraging you and helping you to grow. So what? What what is all this for? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal isn't just that we would know Jesus, although we need to know Him deeply. The goal isn't just for this world not to be hostile towards Jesus, although that would be nice too. The goal is that we all, everybody, would attain the unity of the faith in Jesus and would know Him deeply and ultimately. Church family, that is our goal, that everyone would know Jesus. And that goal is attainable if we embrace that the church is full of leaders. So when we ask these questions, am I a leader? Yes, you are. Can I help the cause? Absolutely. You bring something to the table that nobody else can bring. Does the church have what it takes to impact our community and the world? I believe that every leader we need is listening right now. Every single leader we need. Now, we will happily welcome more, absolutely. But this is what we have been called to. Our bottom line for today is this. You are the church that will impact the world for Jesus. So how can we embrace this? How can the church embrace this call of leadership and influence? We want to make a difference. How does the church enable its leaders to impact our community? You, what can you do? I've got three things for us as we close today. The first thing is this, know who you are. If we don't understand our own value and worth, we'll never have the confidence to step out into the leadership that God has called us to. Listen, it doesn't take special skills or a certain personality. You don't have to look a certain way or be a certain age. When you know who you are, you will truly see that leadership is not just something that you can do, but it's a part of who you are. It's part of our identity in Christ. This is what it says in Ephesians. I I love this verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This word workmanship at the beginning is sometimes translated as masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. This word literally is poema, You are God's poem. You are something that God has worked on, that He has invested in, that He has taken His time to craft. You are beautiful and valuable. 
You have intrinsic value as a creation of our Heavenly Father. And you were created for a purpose. Your influence that will glorify our Lord has already been prepared for you. But we have to understand who we are in order to walk in that calling. Second thing is this, that we need to live by faith. This is obviously easier said than done, but one of the reasons I love Gideon's story is because it reveals his humanity to us. It gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to walk in God's calling even when we aren't very confident in the outcome. Look at this later in in Gideon's story. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. God had already told Gideon not to be afraid several times before this. But fear doesn't negate our calling. God doesn't say, hey, I want you to go do this unless you're afraid. If you're afraid, don't worry about it. I can find somebody else. No, that is not what God says. He says that he wants us to live by faith. If you're afraid, that's okay. You know what I want you to do? I want you to do it afraid. If you're afraid, do it afraid. That's exactly what Gideon does. He does, however, take along his servant, Pura, and that is point number three. Encourage the person next to you. Whether they're sitting on the couch right now next to you, or if they're sitting in a pew next to you, uh, if they're sitting next to you at work, encourage that person. God doesn't leave Gideon alone in his fear. He sends Pura with him. We were never meant to do it alone. It's always better if we have someone with us. And this can be uh, a a few different kinds of relationships. This can be a reassuring relationship. I'm not so sure, so will you go with me? Or this can be a mentoring relationship. I'm going to go do this thing. I want you to come do this thing with me and learn and grow along the way. Or this can be a mutually benefiting relationship. Let's go do this together. Because two perspectives is always better than one. And that's what we see in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We don't have to do it alone. Encourage the person next to you. This is my prayer, that there would be laborers willing to say yes. I will use my influence for the glory of God's kingdom here in Springfield and throughout the world. I hope that you have seen today that you have influence and that the church is full of leaders and that we will impact the world. 
Now you might be sitting here and thinking, this, this sounds great. It sounds like Jesus does some amazing things in people's lives. But I don't know him. I want to be a part of impacting our world. I, I think I can be a leader, but, but I don't know Jesus. If you're sitting here today, I want you to know that the first step is knowing Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to invite you into a friendship with him. One that will change your life forever. This will be the most important decision you ever make in your life. If that's you today, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Whoever is watching right now, would, would you just pray with me? If this is your first time accepting Jesus, you say, you know what, I want to influence my community like this. I want to experience what Jesus has to offer. If you've never made that decision, wherever you are, would you just, would you just say that out loud? I know there might be people next to you that think that's kind of funny or weird, but would you just be so bold to say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. And let's pray together right now. Jesus, come into my life. You can repeat these words with me. Jesus, come into my life. I know that I haven't lived like you have always called me to. But Lord, I want to now. I want to know you and be close to you. Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life and that you would forgive me for the things that I have done wrong, the things that are against you. And I pray that from this moment forward that you would be with me. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, I want to encourage you today that the church is full of leaders. Embrace that calling. Have a great day.